Welcome to Campfire Coders. I'm your host, Jesse Lee. And I'm your other host, Austin Cameron. Welcome. Austin, what are you drinking? Um, well, sorry about the cat noises. We're gonna I'm gonna explain that in a second. I don't know if the folks out there are gonna be able to hear this cat, but we're gonna get to that. Easy cat. Okay, serious cat. Um <laughs> I'm drinking water out of a glass that says American whiskey on it. Nice. That's it. Tap water. Good old Bozeman tap water. Is there something special about Bozeman tap water? No, it's actually probably pretty bad. Bozeman's going to have a water issue in the next 20 or 30 years, reportedly. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to pick up this cat here because he wants to be held, apparently. And I'll tell you this cat story. So, folks out there, since we're not doing video on the podcast yet, or we don't know, we don't have plans at the moment, but we, but you can't see this, but I'm holding up a cat here on our video chat. And the weird thing about that is I'm allergic to cats. And since we recorded the last episode, well, let's just say Jesse and I were talking. Yeah. I mean, Jesse and I were talking and then we paused for a little bit. And in that 10 minutes, apparently the wife and I might have adopted a cat, which is, (laughs) like I said, weird because I'm allergic to cats. And you're holding this cat holding it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I took an allergy pill. We'll see how it goes. I'm not like deathly allergic. Mm. I just sometimes, you know, I just get really itchy. Usually it's like a skin. Like sometimes I'll get like a rash. And so if you see me itching a lot on this episode, that's why. (laughs) It's funny that you Um, mentioned the. The allergy thing, because sometimes in my tea, I'm not allergic to cats. My son's allergic to cats, and he, uh, I don't know, he's pretty bad. Like his eyes get all super puffy, and we, we have a couple outdoor cats, and he just can't touch them. But for me, I have seasonal allergies. And so in my tea lately, I've been putting local honey. Mm, Do you have seasonal allergies at all? Yes. Okay. Does that help though, the honey? Uh, I think it's debatable. I don't know. I, um, it tastes really good. And yeah, that's all that really. Well, that's matters. the thing. I mean, I've heard about this for a long time, right? Where, you know, if you have pollen from local stuff, you know, in the in your local honey, that it can be good for you because it builds up natural immunities and stuff. I'm not sure if that's true, but I also feel like it's, Pooh Bear. Yeah, okay. So, I love honey yeah. as well. Um, question: Why isn't it maple syrup though? <laughs> 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 I had to. Fair. I, I warned you I was going to be joking about Canada, but here we are. I love maple syrup too, especially the stuff I've had from your region. Yeah. But so yeah, at Flat uh, Flat Camp, which was our Statimate conference, um, fella Jonathan there was reminding me about this whole honey thing. And he's like, yeah, you got to try it. It's it's uh, It's really good if you have seasonal allergies. So I've been on that lately. But yeah, you're just you're right, well, you're allergic to cats, and you're just standing there holding a cat. So that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes I I have of the mind that you got to test your allergies out and kind of push the boundaries of them to have any chance at beating them. Now, thankfully, I don't have any like you know throat swells up, deathly food allergies. Otherwise, that would be a different problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend that if you have any scary allergies. Mine are mild, thankfully, but. I might get a little sneezy and puffy eyes like your son, but okay. So yeah, we might've adopted this cat. Yeah, we're- if we did, his name's going to be Elroy, I think. I don't know. Or, or was it Leroy? I don't know what my wife said. <laughs> she's. So where did the cat come she's from? She's like a, yeah, well, that's the question. So he's appears to be a stray. He's been, okay. we've seen him a bunch in the past two weeks and he keeps like coming back to our house and I'm, we're not the like we've we've actually put up an ad on the local like my wife did on the local Facebook lost pet the little we've, the little local uh, kitty Tinder <laughs> yeah right <laughs> well he it's a he and he he does not appear to be fixed either so we're like okay well. so we're gonna take him in tomorrow and get him microchip the deal was he's been hanging around here or there and coming back like every night we have not fed him not. I've been telling my wife, no, we're not getting this cat. I'm trying to use my allergy as an excuse. And we, 
she got home a little while ago and she's like, Hey, come take a look at this. And we have like a little window in our laundry room that you can see out on the front porch and the cat's just laying on the front porch. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, he's been, he's been bothering us every morning and night for the past week. So nice. Yeah. So night do you, uh, new, new, uh, yeah. New member of the family. Welcome. Leroy, Elroy. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, right. I'm excited to... Well, at least we have another listener. Yeah, right. <laughs> the cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll be a mascot on the show. Yeah, there you go. There, You know, there's... Like, we have that space theme going. There's always a good space cat to be had. We can send him flying through like animated cat flying through the background. Yeah. Like the pop tart one with the rainbow. Right. That's through, exactly the one I was through space. Of. Yeah. I don't know what you call that <laughs> cat, but so that, I mean, really that's all that there is in the cat story. We're going to take him. We're, we're trying to find the owner. Uh, doesn't appear that anyone's claiming him. We're going to take him into one of the vets here and see if he's microchipped. And if not, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm hoping that we're going to reach out to someone else who might want a cat because I'm not sure that I can actually live with one full time. It may be. I'm here's the thing. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I'm also allergic to horses, but my wife is a horse (laughs) trainer. So that's, (laughs) there's like allergies all around me and yeah, I just don't want to be like itching all the time. So I don't know. Do you, do you get mice where you are? No, not a lot. Well, sometimes we actually get field. We've had a couple of like field mice that will burrow under our cement patio Mm. in the back, but we're pretty much in suburbia. So yeah, if we were, if we were more out in the country and had more land, which is the dream, Mm -hmm. um, then we would definitely keep the cat. Yeah. We don't have a lot of land, but when my wife and I moved into this place, there was a small chicken coop already for us. And she had grown up, they didn't do any farming, but she had grown up with some chickens and a goat and stuff like that. So she said, yeah, it'd be cool if we got some laying hens so that we could have, you know, homegrown eggs and stuff like that. Yes. But then, um, yeah, being out in the country and having chickens, you end up attracting a lot of mice just because of the feed in the oh, in the coop. Yeah. So the mice like getting into the So feed. now you have a cat too? So she's allergic to cats. As well, oh, my wife. Okay, uh, and so is my one son. But of course, my wife was just like, "No, we need to get an outdoor cat, like not indoors." Yeah, that's what you said. That right? You said yeah. That. And we would put the cat. Uh, at least when we first got her, we would put the cat in the chicken coop at night, just so you know she'd get used to catching mice and stuff. And the one time she brought out a pretty big rat, so she could like, like pretty nice, decent size, long tail Good kitty. So yeah, that's a yeah. And then now there's three kittens on our porch. Uh, she just had kittens. So now I'm like, okay, I don't know. I guess we're going to have more than one mouse here now. So that's why you said a couple of outdoor cats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, tough sell for an outdoor cat here, at least in the winter time. Probably you too. I would imagine you guys get some snow there. Yeah. Um, it's funny though, the lake effect. I don't know where, where we are. Like if you look at the the triangle of I'm drawing with my finger on the screen again. <laughs> if you look at the triangle, well, right, like the, the little like from the GTA, like Toronto area uh, down to mm-hmm. the tip, uh, like the southernmost tip of Canada, like where Windsor and Detroit is. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of in the center of that. And there's all these like warm spots and cold spots. Like you'll get near London, Ontario, one of the fake Londons. I don't know if you can yeah, hear my son right. here. He's talking. Um, That's okay. Take a break if you need to. No, it's we're good. Uh, near London and Ontario, there's quite a bit of snow. It's kind of like a everyone here calls it the snow belt. But then you go like an hour south to where we are, and I have a snowblower that I brought with me when we moved here, and I've used it like twice in three years. So I'm probably going to sell it. But we're in like a. Well, a send warm it spot. my way. Yeah. I mean, ship it across the. You know. I'll just drive across it. the Americas to me. Yeah. I'll just drive it out to you. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. 
<laughs> Perfect. I don't own a snowblower. I do own a pretty healthy back though, because <laughs> I don't own a snowblower. We don't get like we don't get like the crazy lake effect snow like the Buffalo or wherever in Canada gets the lake effect around you. Like you said, London, I guess. Yeah. We don't get that, but it does still snow a lot here. We we had one storm last year that gave us a good two and a half, three feet, and it was pretty heavy, and that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'd do with six or eight or whatever they're getting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, the pictures that Caleb posts, and he's like, I'm just like, okay, well, I thought thought we were bad, but that's crazy. You guys are actually snowed in like to the top of your door. Yeah, and see Caleb's in the Buffalo area, I think. And is he? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. Pretty sure. Um, yeah, I think they get more snow than we get here. And everyone assumes that I'm like way up north in Canada. So. Right. right. <laughs> Actually, same with Jack too. Uh, when he was in upstate New York, I think he got similar weather to what we got. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. We're all the same uh, latitude, roughly, right? Latitude, is that the right one? I think so. I shouldn't mix them up, but whatever. <laughs> all right. Well... That's the cat story. I'm drinking water, and you're drinking what now? Uh, honey with tea? Or yeah, Earl Grey tea with a little bit of local honey. Ooh. I'm a big fan of Earl Grey. Are you? I mm-hmm. I don't drink a lot of tea. I'm more of a coffee guy. But this uh, Earl Grey is probably, I don't know, it's one of the ones that I kind of stick with. So Yeah, I, I mean, I like most types of tea, except for the like funky, overly berry kind of ones. Mm-hmm. I like bitter coffee-like tea. <laughs> Earl Grey's kind of in the middle, I suppose. It's more herbal, but... How do you drink your coffee? Uh, very hot and with nothing else in it. Nice. Me too. Usually. Okay. All right. Occasionally, the wife will order me like a latte somewhere, but... Mm-hmm. I'll Sometimes I'll go for a chai as well. Depends on how I'm feeling. It's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Do you go for dark roasted or light roasted coffee beans? Really important question. <laughs> um, I used to like darker stuff, but in the last year or two, I've been going more for like mild and medium roast stuff. Um, like I like—is that for flavor or caffeine? I think it's just they say that there's more caffeine in the milder stuff, right? Yeah, that's why. That's yeah, that's the old wives' tale. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's somewhat true because I think you cook a little bit of the caffeine out of it when you roast it. But, but there's probably a term for that. But um, I think for me, it's just dark roasts. You get like the there's like a burnt bitterness if it's mm. overly roasted. Yep. And also dark roasts, I think, go stale faster. Oh, I, interesting. Could be wrong about that, but I feel like I perceive. They probably go stale faster. I don't know, but I feel I'm with to- with like a good light roast, like a good mild light roast, um, you can still make it strong, but it ends up being like there's a lot more complex flavors in there. Like you know the whole like flowery, witty, I don't know all the a- yeah. insert adjectives here. I feel like when you yeah, just like wine, just like wine, it's been oaked with a hint yeah. of vanilla. <laughs> Whereas it's funny when you read the packages though, right? Like I have a a bag. It's called by this roastery in Canada called kicking horse. And I think like the three adjectives on the bag are like, it's like smooth, savory and seductive. And I'm like, I didn't know those were flavor notes, but I mean, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. I love reading those on wines and coffees in general. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, light cherry hint with a smoky, you know, finish. And, um, like, yeah. What, what's the one, is it like, a, I don't know. Is this a fruit, a current? Yeah. Current. I don't, with current, ANT? Current, yeah, red current. Or yeah, have current. you ever had just one of those? What is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't think we have any in our garden right now, but my our uncle and aunt do. It's like a fruit? fruit? Yeah, they're just like little berries, but they're like super sour. Like it's like if you have like a red current or black current pie, like you can make a, you can, it's good, but you have to add a lot of sugar to it because they're pretty sour little things. I, it's actually a little embarrassing to me that I had never had one of these. <laughs> like yeah. I thought I knew I, like, what they were, but I see that word and I'm like, huh, never had just one on its own. 
Yeah. I don't know if people just eat them by themselves, but <laughs> I would. Yeah. Just to try it. Yeah. And that guy who tries like, well, I've got to try it just to see, yeah, you know, well, you're the, uh, what do you call those mushrooms that you're, you're talking about? Morel mushrooms. Morel mushrooms. Now that, Ooh, yeah. Morel mushrooms, folks. I am a sucker for them. They're really good. Yeah. This is all new to, nice. I mean, I, you were telling me about this recently. And I was, I was getting fascinated by it. I bet you guys get like really good morel mushroom crops around where you're at too. But for, you just got to go walk around in the woods in the springtime. From what I was reading, they can't, they don't like, you know how you buy mushrooms in a store in like the produce aisle yep. or whatever, but you can't farm these or they just don't? No. Uh, people, well, for, for, most of history thus far, people have, I've actually looked into this cause I wanted to know, I was like, can I just, you know, put them in a shed out here and farm? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I want to know why don't people do it? And they're very expensive because of it. And so the only time I eat them is when I go find them, mm-hmm. but they, I think they're hard to cultivate like commercially. However, they're, I just read something like last year, I think about these two, I think Danish guys who these two old, Danish guys who figured out how to like cultivate them cheaply and consistently more importantly. And so they're like, they're claiming in, you know, another decade or two that we'll, we'll see them all over the place. That's crazy. It would be good because they taste amazing. Yeah. You were saying they're different than like (laughs) most normal produce style mushrooms from the grocery store. Yeah. Like to use a coffee wine word, they're a lot more like nutty Mm -hmm. than other mushrooms, I don't know. That's a- I, I love them. I grew up picking them with my dad. and Because they grow after forest fires in particular. Oh. They're one of the first things that really grows. And that, like after a forest fire, especially in kind of Northwest forests, like not necessarily like Pacific Northwest rainforesty stuff. Well, that too. That, that Definitely that too. But like Northwest Montana where it's, they, they like it like really, what's the, like, When the soil's not too wet, like you think of mushrooms and you're thinking like, oh, it's got to be like super damp all the time. Mm. These ones like it more like sandy and Mm. um, just loose soil. And so right after a forest fire, when like the ground has burnt pretty well, you can clean up. And I mean, get gallons and gallons of them if you go walk around the burnt areas. Really? So. That that's like the most surefire way to find them. I don't know that and like river bottoms. But after you told me about these. I'm like, man, this guy's into these weird <laughs> mushrooms or whatever. I got to see what this is about. But uh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're not psychedelic folks, so don't get your hopes yeah, up. Yeah. But just even on YouTube, it seems like there's like a good amount of people that are into hunting for these things. And, you know, the one guy I was, I went down the YouTube hole and he was just, he was like, yeah, the only way to eat these things is just, I think he just said in like a cast iron frying pan fried with butter. Yep. Tiny bit of salt. Over a campfire. That's it. Just a little bit of salt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. And I, I think yeah. he said that, you know, you, you wait till they're a little bit crispy. And is that what you do? Yeah. I mean, if you've like serum kind of hot in the butter, then they, then the, you got like a little bit of browning on the outside right. and they're still chewy on the inside and they're really good. But, but you have to, I like, yeah, I like to, you have to watch like for to the, po- all sorts of stuff. You have to watch for the poison. You said like those ones aren't poisonous, There's obviously, a, but if there they have is, to be hollow yeah. or something. Exactly. So the nice thing about like, so a lot of mushrooms, I wouldn't, most mushrooms, I wouldn't be picking and eating because I have no idea if they're a good one or a bad one. Morel mushrooms are different in that there's only really one fake morel or false morel. Right. And they are not hollow all the way up. Like the stem it, like there's a head and the head is not follow or hollow, but a real morel, if you cut them in half lengthwise, they're hollow all the way from the stem, all the way up through the head. It's just one right. chamber. And I've heard of people eating false morels, but you'd just, if you saw a one real morel and cut it in half, you're basically safe at that point. Right. And you know, I don't, don't take that as, as advice folks do your own mushroom research and, eat them at your own risk, but they're really, really good. You can buy, you can find them in the store. You might be able to find them in the grocery store dehydrated sometimes. Oh, really? 
And it, it'll just, you like, you know, sometimes you there's like different types of dehydrated mushrooms. You can find morels there and they're generally really expensive. So a warning, but you can find them. I dehydrate them sometimes when I have a nice haul. I still have some leftover from last year. Cool. I am sounding crazier by the minute talking about these. So here we no, go. this is great. But- <laughs> I mean, I know we're on like a, we're called campfire coders and we have yet to talk about coding. 20 minutes. In. This is camping food, folks. Okay. We're still yeah. running with the theme. Yeah. Think about it. You itchy? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I have like a rash. You see this? Yeah. Cat rash. I told you like, see, <laughs> Thank- thankfully he's not meowing though. What? My wife went to dinner. So I'm just watching over this cat and making sure he doesn't get into a bunch of stuff. Well, I can't do CPR over the mic, but I could call 911 <laughs> for you. Although no, I, yeah, I'll be good. Canadian 911 probably doesn't even work for you. Does it? No, that well, no, yeah, you'd have to somehow proxy to America nine one one. I yeah. would guess all VPN. I don't know if, yeah, yeah. <laughs> internet call VPN from Bozeman. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'll be good. So AI. All right, yeah, we can talk about. Okay, do you want to talk about that one or do you want to talk about the other one? The other one. Well, we have two options yeah. left for this episode in the document. So Okay, yeah, making videos. So this week, um, I don't know why I th- thought to do this, but just after, you know, the whole publishing a podcast, publishing stuff, um, I was working through a little Vim refactor uh, in Statomic and thought, hey, this would be a cool little hot tip. So I thought I'll just record a quick minute and two minute video and throw it up on Twitter. And it ended up taking like 40, 45 minutes to record a one minute video. And I showed Austin and he's like, oh dude, I'm fiddling around with recording something too. And so we're both just, we've been talking a lot over the last few days about how difficult it is to, props to people who do screencasts, but how difficult it is to record a video. It's like, as soon as you press record, Right. There's like a, all of a sudden you don't know how to talk anymore (laughs) at all, at all. Like that happens to me streaming, but not nearly like trying to record a video and be all, maybe I'm too serious about it. I need to, you know, take a breath. But I I was asking Jesse, you know, what was his motivation for doing this video? And he's like, well, I just thought it was a cool thing to share. And it was, by the way, a cool thing to share. Go find his tweet folks. Maybe we can link it in the show notes here. It's uh, he's talking about Vim macros and we haven't really deep dove into vim yet but he's talking about vim macros in the video i thought it was really well done man and how many takes do you think it took you though oh i don't know like rough roughly how many tries because you were trying to one shot it right and do do a video that was you didn't stumble too much and if i'm honest should i not i'm not always honest uh probably (laughs) 10 or 12 Something yeah, like okay. That. That's about what I would have expected because I spent most of the day today yeah. trying to record my own video. Uh competitive Vim video recording. <laughs> well, <laughs> not not really. But here, let's let's first compare let's talk about the Vim stuff after, but let's first compare like workflows. Yeah. So for mine, I decided I don't want to do any video editing. This was meant to be a one or two minute thing. So I'm using CleanShot X uh as a screenshotting tool, and they have a cool little for any of those. For any of you that don't use it, they have just a little uh, screen recording tool for video or recording GIFs and stuff like that. And yeah, it works really well. Yeah, and you can throw your like webcam a nice circle in the bottom corner. You know, it crops you into a circle. Or um, I think I realized this after I did my video, but you can have like it can show your keystrokes at the bottom. Uh, you can decide whether or not to show your cursor. Um, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, stuff like that. But my thought was, I don't really want to open up a video editor. I wanted to do it in one take because it was meant to be like a one-minute video. And of course, it's hard to do a, a take, especially doing a Vim macro, screwing it up. How? <laughs> yeah, well, so, okay. Going into it, you're like, I'll just record this video real quick. How long did you, like, just, you're like, okay, it can't take me longer than, you know, did you did you have expectations that it was going to take you way less time? Uh, I knew. I, I knew it was going to take... So, takes like multiple takes, but I thought, well, I'll just, you know, it's, it's a few minutes. If it's a minute or too long, it's going to take me in my mind. I thought 10 or 15 minutes 
Yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's where my head went, roughly. So, and it's, and the funny thing here's another thing too. This is a little bit off the technical stuff, but I I showed Jason, my coworker, Jack and Jason, and they were both yeah. being you know typical Jack and Jason, just super supportive and encouraging and all that stuff. But um, Jason's just like, wait a minute, is this a hot tip? Because you don't even show them how to use a macro. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's more of a demo <laughs> because my thought was to like, so I had, uh, I was telling you this earlier, but I had shown a, a screencast that I did like a year ago to someone and they had given me some constructive criticism and it was really helpful, but it also was sort of crushing because it was like, what he had said to me was, okay, your video is seven minutes long and you take like four or five minutes to get to the point. Cause I'm like, you're like introing it. Right, you're like setting it up, mm-hmm. and so when I went to do this one, I didn't really think too hard. Like I was, I was literally in the middle of working on this PR, and it was like I thought of this quick little idea. Like I'm, I'm repeating this thing. I'm recording a Vim macro. Hey, let me just do a quick screencast. And so my thought was, um, you know, I'm, I, I don't necessarily want to like show all the details of the macro. I just want to like show people on Twitter who don't use Vim. Hey, look at this cool thing you can do with Vim macros. I wasn't necessarily like it wasn't necessarily an instructional, right? But um, yeah. So tell me about your video. You're we, okay. We've been so, talking about Vim, obviously. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's where I was at with videos in general. Was it's something I've been th- a medium I've been thinking a lot about because I've you know the it's not that I live stream every week, although I'd like to. It just some weeks doesn't happen, but the problem with live streaming, although I find it fun, is it's so temporary. Mm-hmm. And of course, like I think Twitch, I have it set to save the vods for thirty days or something, sure, so people can catch it if they really want. Um, but it's so temporary, and I've so I've been thinking a lot about other mediums of publishing, and. May, I can't recall if we've talked about this. I mean, we're this is a medium itself, right? The pod. But I've really been interested in creating videos, like specifically for YouTube, um, for a couple of reasons. One, because it's a medium that I have very little experience with, and I think it, I really get a lot of enjoyment out of learning stuff. Mm-hmm. Two, the double whammy here is that I have a DaVinci Resolve license and the cool speed editor keyboard, and I don't know how to use them basically at all. And I have hours of drone footage probably that I need to edit and go through uh, from flying racing drones. So like, I just never go in and edit it. So I figure, hey, if I learn to edit at the same time while I learn the kind of video medium, it'll be fun. And, and thirdly, I think... The um, the idea of streaming and YouTube mm-hmm. and those two things together become circular. And so then now, you know, if I'm making content on both sides, then it, they become aligned and one will grow the other mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. So with that whole background, I've been thinking a lot about this. And then uh, Aaron... Aaron Francis, who I think we... I'm not sure if we've mentioned him in every episode. Thanks, Aaron. Such a nice guy. Also, so hot right now. Yeah, he can send his... He's all the rage. He can send, he can send <laughs> no. us his uh, co- commission check for all these mentions. Uh, right. Yeah. Sponsored by Aaron Francis. No, he's... Uh, no, I just mean he's like... He's been making waves in such a great way. We talked about his talk in the last episode. He emceed at Laracon. Really cool. And he's just a generally... Super nice, very good guy. And he has his screencasting.com thing and he sent out an email and I, of course, signed up. I'll support even if I'm like, okay, I'll do the screencast. But with all of these thoughts going into it, I obviously, I'm like, okay, I'll sign up for this. It'll be great. I'd love to see what he has to say. And he sent out the first email this week and it was asking people for a screencast. And I'm like, well, this is the kick in the pants I needed to actually hit record on one. And without talking to Jesse about it, he sent me his 
Vim macro demo, or I think it's a hot tip still. Like you, you don't have to tell people how to do it. Just they'll figure it out. You can record a macro. That's the gist of it. But it's very powerful. Well, that, that brings it, up a whole conversation about the whole do a Vim course thing. But anyway. <laughs> well, so, but yeah, go on. The the funny thing is, you you know, you you hadn't you sent me the video, and I hadn't told you that I've been thinking about video really, or right, not not a lot at least. And I, I mean, I knew you had, I, I knew you were interested in video, just with the streaming and stuff, obviously. But yeah, but so so we didn't know each other's plans, and then that's why I was asking you, like, well, what made you want to do this? And then we got to talking about it, and I was like, well, you know, I saw Aaron was asking for people to send screencasts in and whether you know so i'm like okay this is the kick in the pants i needed and you were encouraging so thank you so oh likewise i i set out to you i set out to record a video on my end and i started out with like oh i'll build this like live wire component and use some new v3 stuff and volt and and then i was like but that means i have to build something and i don't know like Mm -hmm. what is the tripwire version of this that i can jump in and create a video without like what I like when you think about it, building the component first or having to build a component or anything mm-hmm. for your very first video is just a way to procrastinate like <laughs> doing the video yeah, or yeah. doing a video. So I try to figure out what could I do a video about that requires no actual building yeah. up front. And so naturally, I landed on Vim. <laughs> yes, I'm a VS Code user, but you inspired me with your Vim video, and it's I have this document that has like just just scratch. It's kind of a scratch pad of notes of different types of content that mm-hmm. or ideas for blog posts or whatever it is. And one of the blog post ideas that I had from a long time ago was, you know, my five or whatever I don't know arbitrary number of. Vim, like practical well, Vim tricks, like these are little and, little key combos that I use all the time. Yeah, and let's 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 go there for a second. So, I've been watching. Uh, I use stream somewhat infrequently here and there, just coding stuff. And um, I've been watching you in VS Code, and you 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 do what I used to do, where you have your Vim plugin in VS Code. And you're using, you know, basic Vim movements and stuff like that while you're coding. And I did that for years in Sublime and Atom. Um, in those two editors, Sublime and GitHub's Atom, before VS Code kind of got big. And then I switched to uh, Terminal Vim. And I don't know. So when we were talking about these videos, and you were saying to me, "Well, you know, you just did a Vim video." I think you're like, you know, almost like tiptoeing around. I'm like, "Dude, do a Vim video because." There, there's, an, you can never have enough Vim content in the world. Like, let's just be honest. <laughs> but then also, I think that you have a good angle because there's a lot of people. Uh, obviously, there's the Vim fans who are already, you know, in Terminal Vim or Mac Vim or whatever, what have you, right? But there's a lot of people in the VS Code world, which VS Code is a great editor, as is PHP Storm, who don't understand. Um, Maybe the benefits they would get just from having a little bit of Vim sprinkled on top with the plugin. And exactly. So I, yep. I said, "Hey, Austin, do your Vim video because people need to see that you know there's it's a gateway drug, right? That you can use that even if you never actually go, even if you never go full hog into terminal Vim land, even if you ne- never get super nerdy about it. Just even learning the basics, uh, Jack. So Jack McDade, the guy that I work for, Statomic." Also a wonderful creator. You should go check out all of his stuff. He's he has a cool like statomic screencasting or statomic screencasts on Laircasts, teaching people yes. our stuff. Yep. Um, so he's done a lot of this video content. He's you know uh, working on, I guess, kind of here and there a radical design course that people are bugging him about. And I don't know. I think <laughs> I think that came with a lot of its own stresses, but I don't want to speak for him. But um, yeah, he about this Vim thing. He was like. He saw my short little Vim video and he's like, you should do a course. And then he starts tweeting about it saying, you know what people need to see is he's like, people need to see, even if they're not interested in Vim, just how to edit a config file on a server. Um, because oh, you're, let's say you yeah. SSH into a server, 
and you find yourself in Vim and you feel lost. And even just knowing a couple basic Vim movements uh, can go a long way on a server, for example. Um, Don't hit control S though, people. Or if you do that, just FYI, (laughs) have I told this story to you, Jesse, or on the podcast? Okay. Well, I have a story for you. Um, C programming class at school. I think it was CS201. So C programming class, I, it was my first experience with Vim. I knew of the editor, but I was like, I told myself, I'm going to learn Vim in this class. And I did all my programming SSH'd into the school computer because you had to, you know, hand code your make files and all the stuff. It was like very from scratch. And writing the C code, I started to use Vim and I had no idea how to use Vim. I had no idea at all. And I several times I had to rewrite entire assignments because I would hit control S and I'd be like, crap, it's frozen. So I'd whip out my flip phone, not even kidding. I whip out my mm-hmm. flip phone and like take a picture of the screen and then manually retype the whole file yeah. because I didn't realize that that stands in default Vim yeah. for suspend session, which is it like control Q or something to unsuspend? I don't know. But point is it freezes your Vim. And so I just thought I froze the SSH connection. I didn't realize this is like a Vim feature. Yeah. I'm, this probably happened to me. This happened to me so many times. And then someone told me and after I took the class, you know, that just suspends and you can undo that. Right. And I'm like, no, I had no idea. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's, there's one more video for your course. Hey, I don't know if I'm going to do a course, but yeah. More Vim content. Well, as you yeah. said, you should. There's, there's, cause like, let me, let me also plug while we're talking about this too. Um, so if you're interested in learning Vim, at the moment, there's a really good course. Actually, there's two of them on Laracast. So Jeffrey Way has a Vim Mastery course where he kind of teaches Vim basics. I, I, maybe it's a little more advanced, but he he gets into the weeds with Vim. And then um, Jess Archer, working for Laravel, has a good series. Have you seen that on Laracast? I have not. I need. To, I've seen Jeffrey's, but okay. I've never Jess. It's really good too. I think she called it something like Vim is my lightsaber or something. I can't remember, but it's. Oh, she. I'm definitely. She. Watch she it. goes more into her individual setup, and this is kind of what I was sharing with you about. You know, I've I've also had aspirations over the years about making Vim videos. Uh, I have a an old Apple Note that I had ported into Bear Notes, and then I had ported into <laughs> Obsidian Notes of <laughs> all the <laughs> possible ideas of things that I might want to write, either write blog posts about or maybe record videos one day about. But of course, you just never publish because it's too much work and you feel vulnerable and that kind of thing, right? Right. But um, I know yep. I'm kind of of the mind that duplicate content is only good for the industry, right? So, for example, um, you've got Jeffrey Way has an awesome course. You have Jess Archer has an awesome course on Vim. Uh, one of the first video series that I ever watched was by this guy named Derek Wyatt. I think his name is. He was. I think the video course is still available, but it's it's not on YouTube. It's on uh, Vimeo. And I can't remember what it's called, but he's, it's like super casual. It's not edited. He's laughing and telling jokes. They're like long and drawn out, but he's, he's hilarious and he gets, ner- yeah. he gets nerdy. I think he's programming in like Scala or Scala. I don't know how to say that. Um, totally different. Just the, just the name scares me. I don't know anything yeah, about that language. To- totally different world. But that's where I think I first cut my teeth on Vim was watching his videos and for okay. a lot of people, uh, there you know, there's big names in every community. So Derek Wyatt and like Tim Pope uh, is another big like plugin creator in the Vim I world. I recognize that one. Yeah, I recognize um, the T Pope. Yeah, so like I think Derek Wyatt was known for being an early content creator for Vim. I guess you could say. So, but cool. I anyway, okay. my point being that, like, I think if you're you know if you're in, in you know, if if I'm thinking about publishing Vim videos, or if you're thinking about publishing Vim videos, when you think about something like Laravel, the ecosystem has benefited from having a ton of content creators for Laravel, right? Uh, so, for example, when it comes to something like Vim being your editor or VS Code or whatever it is, uh, especially with Vim, where your your editor becomes so personalized. Right, you start with such yes. like a, a uh, Michael Dorinda on the North Meet South podcast had mentioned this, where we're talking about the difference between something like Vim and PHP Storm, where PHP Storm is like it starts, everything feels bloated. There's like so much stuff, but it's there's so much, yeah, so much stuff, but people almost want to like minimalize it. 
Yeah, you're unloading all the stuff that they gave you in this giant backpack. Yeah, the stuff that, that you don't you use. Yeah. Carry. Even yeah. Uh, Caleb Porzio has that, I forget what he calls it, but the whole like make VS code. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Make VS yeah. code awesome, I think. Yeah. Which he he takes a real minimal approach, minimalist approach to like the UI and stuff that he has, you know, close the sidebar, yeah. close this, close that. And, and Vim is the opposite. It's like you start with the minimal and you add, you iterate on you top, build it up. you build it up. Um, and so it becomes so personalized that um, Vim content, I think, is really unique in that when people jump into the Vim world, they don't know where to start. They're like, what about sidebars? What about language intelligence? What about right. you know, all this stuff? Um, I had this in VS Code or I had this in PHP Storm. How do I get it in Vim? And it's all there, but watching uh, a video of someone showing you how they set it up or how they prefer to do it, you know, like with Jess Archer, for example, in her video series, she shows the plugins that she uses. It's like half of her videos yeah. are, are just a plugin showcase. And I think that's great because it shows the way she does it. And, you know, when you do a Vim video, you're showing from your perspective of, hey, I'm a VS Code user. I, I love using Vim motions and, uh, I love learning about it. I do. Yeah. One of these days I am going to try full Vim, but hey. yeah, it's a good point. But I also want to make another point. This will probably be my only Vim video. You should make a bunch more. Um, I Like for me, yeah, we're, we're targeting very different people. And it's it, this is something that I've wanted to share. For, it was also one of those things where it was one of those topics where I didn't need to really write any code. I just opened up an editor and was like, Okay, these are the. This is how I get around, and this is. I, I'm still working on it, but the, to to take a step back from this entire conversation, the bullet point Jesse and I had in the document here was making videos is hard. Yeah, we went on, and it. it's making screencasts that are good. It is, it is hard. I'm so excited to see what is on the screencasting.com stuff from Aaron because. Right. It's a lot of work, especially if you haven't done it. And well, in my case, so Jesse went the minimalist approach. Clean shot X, he hit record. You know, it may have taken a few t- a takes for him to get the one he was happy with, but he did it. And and clean shot does the little camera in this or your face in the circle, and it, you know it's done. I took the opposite approach where I did a bunch of different takes and chopped it all up in a video editor in DaVinci Resolve and. I'm probably going to try to add some motion graphics because I like it when things animate and move. Nice, nice. Uh, I don't know how successful I'll be at that because I have no idea how to do it, so I'm going to have to look it up. But like, I have the, I have a, tr- I actually put this in the video. I'll have to, I'm going to send it to you later, Jesse. But nice. They have, I have a like a, it's called a stinger transition. Uh, do you are you familiar with that term at all? No, I'm not. So I, I wasn't either, but it's a. I think it's like a video, videography term, a stinger. Well, I don't know. They, that's the term they use in OBS. So okay, yeah. you can set up a stinger transition in OBS. So when you switch scenes, this little, you know, scene switching transition plays. And so yeah. I made this one where, you know, like the curtain kind of comes down and then it says my username in like neon, like a neon light that's kind of flickering out. Right. And I, it took me so long to make that make that thing, but I made it in DaVinci Resolve following like a couple of, t- like I, you know, I kind of like got the gist of it with the text and then I just frame by frame hand tuned it and it took me forever, but yeah. I learned a lot. I've probably forgotten it all by now. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you did <laughs> this, again, you did this a while back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometime last year, I think. And the, the point again, folks is making video content is hard but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. No, it's actually we been need your voice yeah. out here too. It's been really rewarding, and like literally, I, I yeah, I'm sp- we're speaking as if we're experts here, but we're both just dabbling. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But I like I found Not an expert just working on, uh, you know, t- when you, when you have a side project or you have something that you're doing for fun on the side, which I haven't done for a long time, to be honest, um, has been. Uh, really nice, you know, just to do again. Because when you when you're you got your head down at work or you're working through some PRs and that sort of thing, don't get me wrong, Stanimic is a, is a blast. But um, when you have like something on the side that you're more passionate about, like Vim isn't gonna make me money, right? <laughs> but I'm obviously like I, it gets you never know. It's exciting to me, right? It's something that um, 
you know, I want to be able to share with other people. And even if, so for me, that one minute video changed my whole week, right? Um, first of all, I think just the process of making it, and I, it was like, you know, a one minute video turning into 40 minutes and bad takes, and you kind of get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but, and then sharing it, and then just having, you know, people around you say, hey, that was pretty cool. But also just getting something off your chest and sharing something that you know with others, whether that's, if, whether it's a video or whether it's helping a friend or whether it's, uh, being mentored by someone or mentoring someone, even informally, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But just sharing knowledge with other people, uh, I think, makes our job more fun, right? Because, um, like where where you and I were, either yeah, a year ago or even a week ago, like someone is there, right? Yep. And a hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm stealing things. You know, my dot files are full of stuff from everyone else. You know. Uh, stealing from other people, or watching or watching videos and stuff. So, yeah, I think the knowledge sharing loop is is fun, and vi- the video medium, especially on, you know, quick little like hot tips and stuff. I think that's. I'm gonna play with it a bit. I think. I look forward to the next Vim one, and um, yeah, I, I think the video you put out was great. I, I'm still up in the air on mine. I'm still working on it. I'll. T- like again, it's very hard to do this stuff. At least from for a noob like me, it's been very hard. I uh, I expected to do like two takes for each. You know, I think I have four tips in there. I think I expected to do like two takes. Yeah, and it was more like ten per <laughs> or something. I don't know, like a bunch. I spent most of the day doing this, which is insane to me because it's going to be, I think, five minutes or less. Yeah, it's like whoa. Um, and granted, I, I'm, sh- but I know I would be faster on the next one now. Well, yeah, you mentioned to me too. Like, you know, at what point do you get over that hump where uh, the recording becomes easier? Like, what you know what I mean? Like, it's it's the re- it's the reps thing again. Putting in the reps, mm-hmm. right? And obviously, you took yes. you took a, a, a different route than I did, right? I did clean shot X. I didn't want to do video editing. Whereas you're like, I want to play. Right. I want to play with DaVinci. But so that, you know, obviously there's two different complexity levels there between what we did, but with the reps, if you put in the reps and you put, put out more content, you know, it can only get easier as you learn. Absolutely. And that's, that's so fun. It's so fun to learn and try. And if you can help someone in the process, we need your voice out there. People Yeah, yeah. Are yeah. I mean, what do we have? Five and seven eighths listeners now, something like that. <laughs> Thank you to each. Well, I don't even. Yeah, each one of you. And yeah, man, I'm excited that we're both doing this. It's kind of fun to talk about it publicly too, because I and also motivating to me to do that. Maybe it wouldn't be for everyone. Right. Maybe it would. You never know. Right. I look forward to hearing your podcast too, friends. Yeah. Oh, we should shout out another podcast too. Can I shout out a podcast? Of course. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure where they are on socials. They might be on Mastodon, but Code Rush by Jay George and Rob DeCourt. Hmm. Um, they've been doing a really cool little podcast lately. Um, oh. These these are two Statomic guys. Rob DeCourt has- I recognize Rob's yeah. name. He, I think, I don't know if I've talked to him. I, well, I'm not sure why I know his name, but I yeah. should. So Rob has- um, probably one of the most popular static starter kits. That's it. It's Peak, called Peak, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, both of those gentlemen started a podcast, and they're. I think Jay does a lot more front end, um, design and front end, uh, like coding and all that stuff too. Obviously, mm. uh, I think they're both pretty full stack. They're both, you know, they're both doing client work and whatnot. But their podcast is really interesting to me because. I'm very much a back-end developer. So to hear um, to hear other developers who are using Statomic, so for me that's sort of a scratching an itch, but you know, hearing their pain points and hearing their successes and also oh, I'm definitely gonna yeah, listen. Just yeah. talking talking about uh, the things they're excited about. Jay George really gets into talking about uh, new browser features that are in like Canary and things like that. Mm. And uh, like you know, different we, types of transitions and animations. And stuff the like. view transitions API, man, I want to play with those. By the way, yeah. they look really cool. 
So anyway, yeah, shout out to Code Rush. Look them up on, uh, I think they're probably everywhere. Apple Podcasts yeah. and Spotify and all that. Um, hey, also, have you heard of Godwin's Law? No. No? Okay. No. So today, let me just say, Bram's Law was fulfilled on this day. So Godwin's Law, I'm sure some people already know what this is, but the longer a conversation goes on the internet, this is Godwin's Law, okay? The longer okay. a conversation goes on the internet, the inevitability just increases that uh, Nazis or Hitler will eventually be mentioned. Uh, so did you just fulfill it? <laughs> so no, not not with uh, Godwin's. I guess I did just fulfill it by talking about that. <laughs> right. So Bram's Law. So Bram, in memory of Bram Milinar, who just passed away, the creator of Vim. Um, the, I've, I think I've coined this. I'm not sure. Maybe someone else has coined it before me, but... The longer a conversation goes on on a podcast on the internet, Vim will inevitably be mentioned. Bram's law was fulfilled <laughs> on this day. <laughs> yeah, it was fulfilled on day one on this one, pretty sure. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if I can help myself. It's, I think Vim's probably going to be mentioned on every podcast. So It's actually kind of weird. I mean, it's not like we've recorded a lot of episodes, but man, it's kind of weird to think like I kind of for, forgot. It's just not top of mind what we even said in episode one now. Yeah, there's. I have to go read my own show notes. That was the yeah we we talked about GeoCities and right just sort of like our our journeys through Dev. Dude, dude, did you see that DOS game thing that I tweeted at you? Though there's like this website that allows you to play all of the DOS games or most of them in your browser. Oh, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like, like you can go play Warcraft two and all old old school DOS games or old Windows games. There's a ton of them on there. Nice. Um. Yeah. Good episode, I think. Yeah. So share. I don't know. I'd be curious to know if people want to. Uh, if our listeners, our few listeners, want to engage with us, tell us what you're sharing, or what are you thinking about. Show us. Yeah. Show us what you're publishing. Videos, blog posts, whatever. Show us what you're pub- publishing. Also, if you have any feedback, negative or positive, it means you maybe listened and clicked the download button. We'll take it all. Yeah. And thank you for supporting us. Yep. Thank you, folks. We'll see you on the next one. See ya.